And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. James. It is always a special edition of the podcast, but it's a, a very special edition of the podcast because we have a, another guest. Do you want to preview our guest? First, I'll say I don't know if every episode is really that special. Although maybe, they're, me. maybe they're special in kind of a different way than you're talking about. Excuse me. <laughs> we we have Elliot Friedman on the show. Holy cow. This is like we're in the big leagues now. This has to be the... Is this the biggest guest we've ever had? We had Brian Burke. No. He's in like, I think Chris, Jeff O'Neill, Ray Ferraro. We had Jack Campbell on last. Isn't Elliot have He's like, in the elite class for sure. Yeah, we did have Jack. That's true. We did have Jack Campbell who is now. We had uh, Carlo, I think, we had Andy. I, I think Jack Campbell has surpassed Elliot Friedman in terms of prominence in the Toronto sports landscape right now. So I hope he doesn't mind. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. Well, so that's a perfect time for me to, to introduce this week's quote of the week. Can I answer my phone? Is that what you're saying? saying you're, is that what you're, you're saying? saying that you're is that what you're saying? Okay. Well, yeah, he was just screaming in my ear, so <laughs> I had to kind of start singing along with him, but uh, you know, he's a big fan of that song. He plays it in the car sometimes, so uh, you know, he, he definitely is a big Bon Jovi guy. I need more emotion. We need more emotion from everybody. We need people to get angry. We need people to step up and, and be mad and take it personally. Uh, he was just okay. <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for that. <laughs> so you guys can package that someplace, okay? It's been a long journey, and uh, just to see, have their support, every single guy, to dream come true, something I worked very hard for. There's not a day I don't thank the Lord for putting me here in Toronto with these amazing guys, and you know I don't want to forget my LA teammates and coaches there because they they got the ball rolling for me in the NHL, and without them I wouldn't I wouldn't be here. But since I've been here, the the team and the organization's been 
just amazing and uh, you know I still got a lot better uh, I can still keep getting a lot better so that's all I'm focused on and we're just trying to have as much fun and, and keep winning all right James that was Jack Campbell of course he is now 10 0 and 0 which is uh, obviously a leaf record 10 straight wins you wrote and, and if people haven't checked this out and I assume they have uh, an awesome profile of his rise it really is insane that this is happening like just circle back to when they even make the trade. Like if I had told you that this is how it would have played out, I can't imagine you'd believe like this, is, this was going to be the way it shook out with Jack Campbell. So you know that I've been talking about doing that story since like, when did I start to October or something? Like I knew I wanted to do a Jack Campbell I story. I wanted to do it in the summer even. Like I remember yeah. talking about it. So I'm trying to think how the best way to say this. You know, talking to people in the Leafs organization in the offseason, remember where there was all that talk about Anderson and should they keep him and are they going to keep him? Are they looking at trading him? Blah, 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 blah. Um, one of the things that really struck me talking to people in the Leafs organization in the offseason was how much they liked Jack Campbell. Like they really, really believed that he potentially could be a number one goalie. And I think that they understood his path in his story better than at that point than I did. And, and certainly, you know, I think better than most people in Toronto. And, you know, the more research I did, and I mean, I know a lot about Jack Campbell now. I mean, I've talked to people who know him well, and I've talked to, I've talked to his closest friends for hours and hours and hours and hours to do that story. Um, but the more I learned about him, the more it's like, you know what, this, like, obviously 10 0 and 0 in a nine forty four save percentage is, is surprising. Sustainable. <laughs> is surprising. But I think he, he potentially is a number one goalie who just hasn't really who, – who's taken a really unusual path and figured things out later in his career, which happens. There's lots of goalies that figure it out at 27, 28 years old. Mm -hmm. And because he was playing behind Jonathan Quick in L.A., he just – he didn't – you know, if, if Quick wasn't there and he was able to start 50 games, maybe he has a huge season. But his, his career numbers in the limited sample we've got are, are really good. He obviously has the draft pedigree. Um, all the people you talk to in the goalie world are all, all say that he's got the tools to be, you know, one of the to be a starter in the league. So maybe I mean it's a hell of a trade if it turns out this way, and he can be their number one next year for one point six million. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Um, it's still an unknown um, as to whether he can be what you're saying, if he can be a number one, like we still don't know if he can stay healthy over a long period of time. We, we still don't know if he can perform playing every other night. Those are, are fair, real questions, but I mean, he's, what's the record now? It's like 13, two and one or something yeah. as a leaf. Like, yeah, that's and right. you can just see James, like the contrast between the way he's playing right now and the way Frederick Anderson was playing before the injury and, and last season is striking. Like you look at that game against uh, Montreal on Wednesday night, it never really felt like it was like it, you had the kind of the feeling with, with Jack Campbell in there that, that he was going to make those saves and he wasn't going to give up kind of the stinkers that, that we've seen at times from Frederick Anderson. Now he's in a hot zone right now. So we'll see how this kind of manifests. And we, and we still don't know playoffs, like how he will perform. He's never played in a playoff game in the NHL. Um, but I, I would have to think that this changes slightly. Um, he hasn't dynamic. played very many playoff games in the AHL. 
No, it's only like a dozen. It's not and, very much. And part of the reason for that is is the the injuries that he's had. So, you know, I, I think that what you're talking about in terms of durability and how many games he can play and all that, I mean, I think that those are those to me are bigger questions than his ability at this mm-hmm. point. At this point for me. Well, that's I think one of the things that you discovered in in um, digging into his past is that he has had injury issues throughout like what yeah. was the the season in uh, the AHL with Texas I think where Yeah, so yeah, Texas yeah, Stars the the AHL franchise for Dallas. Uh he's a young guy, he's 22 years old and uh it's him and Christoph Nilstorp who's like a 28-year-old Swedish guy who's played 10 years in in pro in Europe are the goalies there and uh what I was told, so I have tons of stuff that didn't get in the story. What I was told is they intended on Jack Campbell being their starter for the playoffs, but he he was hurt. He tore uh, a tendon in his in his mm-hmm. knee and his 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 quadricep, and uh, it was really really bad. He only played sixteen games that season. He had like a nine forty some save percentage in those sixteen games in the AHL, and everyone in the Stars organization was like, "Whoa, here we go!" And they were one of the best teams in the AHL. He was supposed to start. And play all their playoff games. He was too hurt to do that. Neil Storp goes in. They win the Calder. Like they go the whole way, and Texas wins. And you know, one of the things that that I talked with with people in the story was: imagine if Campbell had done that at 22 years old, had led them and won the Calder, and had these sparkling numbers and was healthy. I think that he would have got a longer rope the next season when he struggled, and the year after that. I think that you know there would have been a lot more teams trying to trade for him, and like just his profile would have looked a lot different than it did. But the injuries really held him back when he was young, and I, I didn't get into that in depth in the story, but it's definitely part of part of his journey. Well, and I think one of the, the most interesting parts of the story is just the evolution of um, the mental side of the game for him. It almost feels like that. Do you think that's an even bigger part of the story than the injuries? Just the fact that yeah. he kind of had to kind of figure out like goalies like a, a, a brutal position where if you can't kind of level yourself, it can be the end, right? Well, it's it, it, one of the amazing things I found out late in my reporting was that when Jack Campbell was nine or ten years old and he was a goalie in, in Michigan where he grew up, other parents of the other kids on his team were saying to his parents, Jack's got to like calm down and like, it's okay if he lets in a goal or two. And like, he's got to, you know, like they, they, he was like 10 years old and they said, he's taking it too hard. And he did that his whole life and his whole career. And, um, you know, when he ran into situations where he was allowing a lot of goals and not playing very well, it put him in a really dark place. And, you know, some people said that they thought they were worried that he was going to quit hockey altogether. That's how bad it got. Well, James, it's interesting that you say that. This is just bringing to mind. So, uh, you know, Billy Bean, the, the Oakland yep. A's executive. Yep. Moneyball. His story. Yeah. And, and in Moneyball, that's like literally exactly kind of what happened to him. He was like this very highly touted prospect. He was a first round pick. I think he might have even been first overall. And he would beat himself up so much. Like he got to the major leagues at a young age. But he couldn't handle failure and he couldn't handle when he wasn't performing like he had always done. And that was it. Like his career never recovered. Like, and, and sometimes you just don't recover. And I think that's what's really interesting with Jack Campbell is he's kind of figured it out. Well, think about it, Jonas. Like you have to perform on, like on TV and with millions of people watching you and thousands in the crowd. And like, like think of the pressure that that would like, it's not a normal situation. It's not normal that 
that people are able to do that. So the, the fact that some people struggle in that situation should not be seen as personal weakness or something like that. Like it's, nope. it's, you know, and I, the thing for Campbell is that he felt he's, a, he's such a nice guy. It, people, <laughs> everyone I talked to said that over and over and I haven't over heard again. that before. That's yeah. That's people, but people were like, you meet him and you're like, can this be for real? I don't think this is real. And then you get to know him and you're like, okay, yeah, this is actually how, this is actually what he's like. But they said he's so nice that if he lets in some goals and you lose a game, he takes it so personally and he feels like he let everyone down and he made everyone sad and he, he's the bad guy. And like he just took it so hard and it's hard for you to live like that, to always be the one that's letting everyone down. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. I like to give you the honor of introducing our guests a lot of the time, but I'm stealing that from you. He is from Hockey Night in Canada. His 31 Thoughts column is a must-read, obviously, and the 31 Thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick, which I listened to on my run the other day with our buddy Chris Johnson. Elliot, how are you doing? These must be stressful times for you. Uh, I'm good, guys. Uh, not too bad. Like, um, you know, honestly, Jonas, like, I, uh, I kind of sit there like, you know, this is one of those weeks that you better make sure your phone is charged. Uh, you better make sure you have multiple outlets for receiving notes. But um, I guess you've been around. Like, I've been around these enough that I think I kind of know how to handle them. But there's always something that comes that you look at and you say, yeah, I wasn't predicting that one. That's for sure. Do you, Elliot, do you think this might be a really slow, weird trade deadline? It kind of feels like that. I I, you talk to way more teams than I do, but it sounds like teams are frustrated that, that things aren't moving very much right now. I think that's true, James. It could like this is unusual. There's no question about it. The league's never been tighter than this in terms of cap space and and teams in LTI and you know the the amount of money available to do things. We're expecting the flattest cap that we've ever seen in the in the salary cap era, and not just for next year, but for years to come. I, I don't, I, I don't think there's ever been less um, uh, less of a desire to, to take money than there is right now. Mm. Um, you know, there's an interesting mix. I've had some people tell me that you know because, especially in Canada, there's going to be no fans in the playoffs. Um, there's less of an incentive ever to take money on. And the only counter I have to that is that I think there are teams out there who look at it and say, that's true, but are we going to do better at selling tickets next year if we have a run? And that's not insignificant in this league. Teams will tell you, uh, teams will tell you, especially in some markets, that the difference between um, making the playoffs and not making the playoffs and what it can do on your revenues for next season is immense. And, and I look at Arizona and I look at Dallas and I look at uh, Columbus um, and I look at some teams, Florida, although they're going to make the playoffs now, you know, the difference between making it and not making it for next year is not insignificant. Even a team like St. Louis, I could see it. So, um, 
you know, I, I think it's a big deal. I, I do. Um, so there's, I, I definitely think though, James, this is a very weird year and there's a lot of uncertainty as to where we're going and what that means for some of these teams. It's definitely a factor. Well, and Fridge, that, that means that there could be fewer teams, obviously, that are selling. And I want to bring it back, obviously, to the Leafs. It's our Leafs nerdy podcast. Yeah. Um, I think the situation with Jack Campbell has, has made the, the goaltending questions really interesting. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's played really well, um, but he's, he's limited in his track record. He's never played in the playoffs. The situation with, with Frederick Anderson feels very fishy to me. Yes. It makes me think that I'm not sure what what's actually going on. I'm not actually sure if they, they really believe he's coming back. Mm-hmm. How much do you think that might be like, I don't know, tactics around the deadline about ha- adding a goaltender? Like, I just don't understand how they could come out of this deadline and not add at least somebody. I, you know, I like the, the overall theory of your statement there, Jonas, I think a lot of people would agree with it's different. Like, you know, they do try to be transparent as, mm-hmm. as transparent as this league gets with injuries. They're usually pretty good. Like the, the whole thing now, like after, you know, 27, 28 years, or however I've been around the, the I, I think the thing that you look for is, is consistency, right? And the way the Leafs are handling Anderson is inconsistent with generally how this regime handles things. Mm-hmm. I, I find them, you know, they don't, they, they try not to give us too much information about what they're thinking in terms of trades and something like that. But I do think they're generally very honest about injuries and things like that. Like I said, as honest as this league gets. And now all of a sudden we've got an information black hole. It's unusual. So as a reporter, I look at that and I say, this is weird. There's something up here. The best information I have right now is they do believe he's coming back this year. They, he will not be back by Monday. So they're going into it. No, the deadline comes at a time where they won't have him available, but they believe he's going to play. Now, I think the question becomes then, question number one is, is that good enough for them? Yes. Question number two becomes, what's the better option and at what price? And I think question number two is a very big part about question number one. When the quarantine was 14 days, I really didn't think, Jonas, they were going to do anything. Um, like, Because the other thing, too, is you know you got to bring in a guy that is going to sit for two weeks, and then you're convinced that he's going to be healthy. That's why I think that Jonathan Quick, when when those rumors were coming out, I looked into him, and I think as a person, Jonathan Quick made a lot of sense as a person. He's competitive. He cares a lot. He knows Campbell. Like, like I understand why that got out there, but when you look into his injury history and sitting there for 14 days and then playing, it made no sense. And I think that's one of the things they're looking at is – do they want to, if they're going to bring in a guy, are they going to bring in a guy with a history of getting hurt? Yeah. Ranta, Kemper, Allmark. like, Allmark. like, I, like I, and I do think they've checked in on all these guys. I do. I think they've done their due diligence. Riddick. I think they've, I think they've called all these teams and said, if we want to do this, what are you willing to do? 
So I think injury history is a big deal. Number two is we want someone who we believe is healthy and is a better goalie than what we've got. Okay. How many of those guys are there? Yeah, that's hard. Well, Darcy Kemper has been hurt. Yes. And he's, he's, he might be the guy, but, but Fridge, like the, the point, but he's going to cost you. But but the, the problem with that though, is it might cost you your chance at a cup. Like everybody talks about Colorado and that's a good example like mm-hmm. you got to be really, really, really careful. And I think that the point that needs to be added to the Anderson question, he wasn't playing well before he got hurt. And and you could say like the injury was causing him problems. But last mm-hmm. year, like I don't even think it's 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 fair to assume that if he comes back when he comes back, like there's not much season left that you can actually count on him. Like that's that would worry me just as much as the injuries. Like I don't know what I'm getting. Well, I think that's fair. I think that. Now, what? so what I really believe is going on here with him, Jonas, is that they are saying you played hurt. And I think, I think part of the understanding here is that he was playing while Campbell was hurt. Yep. And I think there is a loyalty to him in the sense that he tried to play while they really needed him. And I, and I think, I think they take that seriously. Now we haven't mentioned one name yet. And that is the guy I've begun to wonder about. And that is Anton Forsberg. Mm -hmm. So we talk about patterns, right? This guy who's played one game all year in the NHL suddenly does a back to back for Ottawa. Like did that not like, and I didn't think about it, but somebody called me Tuesday morning and said, does it not seem weird to you that Anton Forsberg, who had one game all season, suddenly played back-to-back for Ottawa on Saturday in Montreal and Monday against Winnipeg? And, you know, again, it's all about, like I said, patterns. That's unusual. So I do wonder if that was a showcase Ottawa has said like Holberg played yesterday and Murray is supposed to be on his way back. You know, there's a guy who's making minimum or close to it. Um, he's been unbelievable this year in a ridiculous situation. Like they, this professionalism, like all the teams who've had him have said he, all he does is go to practice and just play. Um, he's, I mean, I, I haven't looked at the, I haven't looked at the deeper numbers, but his counting numbers have been pretty good. Like his in the, in the three games he's played, he's, his numbers at the at least superficially are good. And you know what? The other thing too is the uh, he played an AHL game where he beat the Marlies, and I heard he looked really good. So again, I'm extrapolating a lot of things here. You know, the other thing too is I also think the Leafs aren't going to get a depth goalie unless they think he's better than Hutchinson. And, you know, it comes down to, do you think Forsberg's better than him? Are you comfortable with, say, Campbell, Anderson, Forsberg, or Campbell, Forsberg, Hutchinson? I don't know what it's going to be, but it's got to be better than what they have and healthier than what they have. And how many people fit that? And then you got to balance that with they don't have a lot of cap space. They want to do some other things. They want to 
add a forward that can play in the second or third line. They they probably mm-hmm. potentially want to add a depth defenseman. I mean, Jonas and I have, I have had this debate for weeks. You can't do everything. So, well, you could, <laughs> but it would be you it might, would be crazy. Like you, the, like I'll tell you, like a guy I and I wrote it this week. A guy I've started to wonder about is Alexiak. Yep. Yep. I think he fits. Yep. Well, and you might even play him ahead of Dermot in in theory, maybe. Alexiak played great in the in the bubble last year, and as we know, playoff hockey is a bit of a different animal. And um, you know, I, I I could see Toronto considering something along those lines. Like like I am with you guys. I think the thing they want the most is the forward, and I'm really curious to see who they decide is the best forward for their fit. But you know, I like this. There's uh, you guys have said it. There's a lot on the line this year. I think they're good. I, I think the team is really good. They've overcome a lot. Like I don't think last night is is like their game last night against Montreal. To me, is a perfect example. You get a player who, who goes down with a COVID exposure, like a very good player. Like, can you like what must have been like in that room on on Wednesday? Wait a sec. What's what's going on here? Yeah. And they didn't play great at times, but they grinded it out. Like, I think it says a lot about what this team is this year. I think they've got a great attitude. They've won a ton of 50-50 games, which hasn't really been the identity of this team for years. Like, there's, there's been so much inconsistency, which we haven't seen this year. Even when, they're, even when they weren't winning games, they were, they were a lot of them, they were playing well. And, and they, they've managed to win some games where they haven't played well. Um, I just wonder how, I guess what you would need to do is you would need to have a third team involved and you would have, if you're going to acquire two or three guys, you're going to have to get some other team, whether it's Chicago or whoever, to eat some of the contracts on the, and then all of a sudden, like some of these trades could be pretty elaborate if if that's what they decide to do. I agree with that. Um, I, I think the other thing too is that, you know, I think the mix is important to them. Right. You know, you guys are like, you know, I obviously I read your really impressive story on, on Campbell this week. You know, we all saw what happened at the end of the game last night with that hilarious celebration with Marner and the interview he had with Sean McKenzie. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that Spezza and Thornton and Simmons have helped change the group. And, and, and you know what guys like, and, and, and I, the, the, the contract stuff being done, nobody's talked, like, for two years, that's all we talked about. And I think it, it had a huge effect on that room. I think it grinded those guys down. I think it hugely affected their, their, their group. And now it's gone. Like, nobody's talking about contracts anymore. And you've got guys like Spezza and Thornton and Simmons you know, when those guys do well, you see what it's like on the bench. And you, and now that Campbell's doing well, you see what the reaction is to him. I I do think that Dubis and Keefe, I, I do think they talk about, do we want to fundamentally alter that? So, you know, I, I, I think these are all, I, like, I, I look at it and I say, I could see a guy, Dubis, saying, can I plug all the holes that I think I need to plug? The goalie, the D, the forward. And then if I do that, how much do I alter mm-hmm. our fabric? And I think he I think he weighs that. I think it's fascinating. 
Well, and I think then it gets to the question of like, what type of personality are you bringing in? Like, how is that person going to fit? Like Nick Foligno, I could see like, it, it would just seem like he could just fit right in. Like he's, he's kind of along those same lines. And like you mentioned, Neander and, and Neander coming out of the lineup kind of exposes why they need a forward. But James and I have been talking about this a lot for each, like the, the dynamics of the type of forward you're going to acquire what type of forward is that? Like, do you try to just add like kind of a depth guy who's going to play on your third line? I know you've reported like they're looking at someone who can play on lines one to three. My personal favorite would be like a guy like Alex Iafalo, whether he signs or not. How do you how do you think they balance like what type of player, how expensive, where he fits? Like, is it do you go big with Taylor Hall? Do you go smaller with whoever? Like. I don't know. That dynamic to me is really interesting, especially with the way Alex Galchenyuk has played so far. Well, the, the line that I've used is the, be- the best forward they can find. And someone corrected me who's dealt with them and said, it's almost like it's the best forward they can find who fits what they're looking for. So, like, Which is what? Well, I think it's someone who can play with Nylander and Tavares. Yeah. That's what that I think sense. they're looking for. You know, that, that's what I think they're looking for is the best forward they can find who fits with Nylander and Tavares. Well, isn't that guy, isn't the best forward who can play with him, Taylor Hall? Or is, or do you think that's, they want a different type of person, like maybe a Nick Foligno? You know, I've, I do think they want someone with some edge, but like if you've watched Hall play before, I think he's got edge. Yeah. Like sometimes I think we, we, we mistake edge with like a guy who like goes out of his way to put a stick up someone's nose. I don't necessarily think that. I think like to me, Matthews has edge. If you watch him play this year, he's, he's an edgy guy. I have a roughing call last night. (laughs) Like when do we see that? (laughs) Like, like I've always thought it was there. And now this year we've really seen it come out. Right. Like edge to me is a guy who's competitive, a guy who will give as good as he gets. Like, you know, like to me, you know, like the thing about Hall is, and I'll tell you, like I, I, I almost change my mind daily on on the Leafs and Hall about whether or not there's anything there. I, I, I this week I really thought if Hall was going anywhere, he was going to the Islanders, and I think the Islanders were in on that. Now that it's not happening, I'm kind of curious about it. Um, I, I, you know, I think the Leafs have kicked around on a lot of things. I don't get the sense that they were one of his biggest pursuers over the last 24 to 48 hours, but I always use the qualifier right now. Anything can change. Although I haven't gotten the sense they're one of the biggest pursuers. Like the one thing about Hall is, you know, two weeks ago, they've lost 12 or 13 in a row at the time, whatever it was. And he takes that shot off the face in New Jersey and he comes back and he plays like he had every excuse not, not to come back in that game. Like, you know, if, if that's your attitude, you can play for me anytime. Yeah. Well, and I'll free you like of all the guys who can make a big difference, like game breaker type players, he's it. And he's the guy like I would be willing to pay a price. And like, I think you reported that there's some sp- intrigue about whether Buffalo gets a first round pick, but I just don't understand why you wouldn't pay that price. Like he could play a a monumental role on a playoff run. And in the end, like what's the first round pick if you win a cup? Well, that's basically, 
that's basically what the Islanders said. I think the problem is, as you guys said, is that there's not a lot of there's not a lot of buyers, so everybody's playing poker, right? You know, look what the Devils had to do to get a first round pick last night. They had to give up two players. They had to take fifty percent of the salary on both. They got two prospects who don't have really high ceilings at all. And you know, I, I give them credit. You know, they they did whatever they did whatever they had to do to get the best lottery ticket they could get. Right? So if you're Toronto or you're somebody dealing with Buffalo and you're looking at that deal, you're saying to the Sabres, look at everything the Devils had to do here to get a first round. So you know that if whoever whoever's dealing with Buffalo, at the very least, the Sabres are going to have to eat money. So what else is going to have to happen for the first rounder to come into play? The Kessel trade, they got the first round pick from Pittsburgh, but they had to give up a second round pick. So it, was, it wasn't like you got a free first round pick in that trade. You also had to give up one of your own picks. So maybe that's something... Maybe you say to Buffalo, we'll give you a first, but you have to give us a second or a third or something. That's like a tough that. one because those picks will almost be right next to each <laughs> That's other. That's true. Right? That, okay. So a third or a fourth round pick. Yeah, but, but your point's good. You're like your points, your point is very fair, James. I would say that. That's see, I think that creativity is kind of necessary. You know, it was funny, like people said I was like insulting Hall. I heard from some people who know him are like, why did you why did you kick him when he's down? I was like, you know, I'm really not interested in that. I'm just saying that. It's 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 just the market this year. Well, and the contract's hard to fit in too, right? And I think the, yes. the Leafs would have to – that would have to be a three-team trade. They're going to have to give an asset to whatever team eats a, a big portion of his deal. And that's going to be real money too. Like it's not – his contract's so big that there's actual salary that – and it, as you said off the top, it's, it's a tough ask for some organizations to eat real money. And it's going to have to be a significant asset that goes to that team to, to take on a chunk of his contract. So – the other, you got me thinking. You were talking about the chemistry thing. I mean, they bring in a forward. Who who sits out? You know, that has to be a question too. Like, would you know? Would you would you sit a Joe Thornton? Can you sit a Joe Thornton with how tight they are with the cap? Can you do you even have room to have a healthy scratch? Um, are you going to have to put someone on waivers like a Galchenyuk? Um, and then you know, do you lose someone like that? So I mean, it, it's it's going to be difficult. Especially if you add a defenseman too. I mean, they they just don't have the roster spots or the cap space right now to put everyone on the roster. So that's going to be a, a a tricky dance that they're going to have to do. Well, that's why I think you almost have to look at it like your trade solves your problems, right? Right, like that person is going to upgrade you, or or and also it takes away your roster questions. You know, the, the, so the thing I'm wondering is who like the AHL it doesn't sound like they're going to have playoffs, right? So who on the Marlies is uh, comes up to your roster? Robertson. See, that's the way I think you solve it. Like, and again, this is me talking. I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm thinking about the answer to your question, which is a good question, James. Like, I wonder if your trade, if you say as part of your deals, we're solving any quote unquote unhappy problems we might have. Like that player, like if you think someone's going to be unhappy, they have to go. And then, and then you solve your depth by saying, okay, is there anybody in the AHL who you think is ready to play? And that's a question. Like that's a real question. Um, 
I also think like I think the, the dynamic you mentioned Fridge, like with the chemistry of the room is really interesting in terms of the type of person and player you bring in like I worry with some of these guys like Felino is probably the prime example that you you risk getting a little too old and a little too creaky like you look at some of the guys that they're relying on Simmons Spezza yeah, Norton very fair I, I I worry a little bit about that well, I also got to think too, Joan. The other thing too, I'm wondering is, let's look at the the runway, right? Of the of the of the of this calendar. Let's just assume that Vancouver tries to play, and that's an if right now. I don't know that they're going to try to play. I, I yeah, well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I I think they're going to try to play. I think the question is how much they can play. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's just say you get a first round of Toronto Montreal. You know what I wonder? Is the league going to try to make the first f- four games in five nights? Whew. Like with, And that's the way the players used to play, right? That's a lot for the old guys. Well, that's what I'm saying. What's yeah. the schedule going to be in the playoffs? Then you need two goalies too, right? You're going to have to, you're probably going to have to start different goalies in your uh, I, I don't know. Four don't and know. five? I don't know. Like, okay. like the, I, you're right. Like, but that's the thing. Like, you've got to be thinking now. If Edmonton finishes fourth, you can't do that. Or Toronto plays. Like, if you get a first round of Winnipeg, Edmonton, Toronto, Montreal, I could see them saying, how tight could they make this? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, and then that that gets into the questions of, like, what what should you sacrifice in this kind of year? Like, I like, Freeze, like, I had questions about the job that Lou Amarillo did when he was the GM in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But one thing I really have come to respect, I was talking to CJ about this yesterday. I just like that he goes for it. And like, they got to the conference final last year. They, they obviously make the trade for Paul Mary and Zajac. And I wonder like with, with, if you're Kyle Dubas, John Tavares is 30. You've got some of these old guys, Marner and Matthews are as good as they can be. And yet all those, those circumstances about what's going on with the playoffs, the season, the, you know, everything. Like, what do you sacrifice when you're trying to win a cup in this kind of year? Well, I'm going for it. Like, you yeah, know, I like, think so too. You know, like John, like he's, he's all in. Like, and by the way, can I say, well, I'm on a leaf centric podcast. <laughs> the, the stupidest arguments in hockey are the analytics arguments about whether or not they matter. Everybody uses them now. It's just, now the argument is about which matters, right? So anytime I see an, uh, an argument on social media about analytics versus non-analytics, I'm like, I'm not going there because it's the stupidest thing alive. The second stupidest thing alive is the whole Lamorello Dubas thing. Every GM has good moves and bad moves. Okay, um, like you know, I like for anyone to say that Lamorello was a bad GM of the Leafs. It's so moronic. And, you know, they, when, when they lost, when, when Dubis, when, when Dubis was offered the job in Colorado and they, they said, you can't do it. When behind the scenes, they'd kind of agreed that they could talk to him. Like it was, it was over. You can't do that in business. Like you, you, and as a matter of fact, the story I've always heard is that Babcock actually said to Shanahan, well, you're making Dubas the GM now, aren't you? Because you can't do that. And so, you know, they committed and 
by like some of the revisionist history about how bad a GM Lamorello was, I, I, I don't, it, it makes me like insane. He was the perfect guy at the perfect time. And now it's Dubis's time. And I think uh, history will, um, I think, like, I, I think this is, well, how do I want to say this? Hold on. Like, Lamorello, I thought, was the perfect guy at the perfect time for Toronto. The moment they said to Colorado, you cannot interview Dubas, they committed to him as their guy. And we're going to find out this year. And I look at this team, and even if, like, I, they remind me a lot of Washington, okay? The, the, the terms on the contracts have accelerated their situation a bit because they don't have guys signed for 13 years like Ovechkin was. But I think that Washington proved to me when you have elite talent, you bet on it and you believe that eventually it sorts itself out. And I think if the, if they are, if they stay together, if this group stays together for a long time, and that's a big if I recognize, I think betting on this group will be proven to be a good bet. And I think this year is showing some of that. Although, you know, we've got to see where we go playoff-wise. Well, the William Nylander fan club has definitely gotten crowded, Fridge. It was not very crowded for a little I, bit. I don't know. i got to tell you <laughs> something, to be honest. I honestly don't know that anybody's opinion on him will ever change. Like, yeah, it's very frustrating. Like, like you know, like, you know, I, 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 I got to tell you, mine has... I'm a I'm a bigger fan of his now than I was before, but again I think I'm in the minority. I think most people they're on one side or they're on the other, and it's never changing. All right, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with some questions. That's I would love to spend an hour talking about Neander, but we should take some questions. So we'll come right back with Elliot Friedman. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. James, this is when you get to really shine. <laughs> Take it over. <laughs> I get to read things off Twitter. That's my role on the podcast, Elliot. Uh, there are a lot of questions along these lines, but Ryan Woods is the first to ask it. Ryan wants to know, Elliot, how do you keep the hair in such dazzling condition? <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things right now is that you can't get a haircut right where I live. And, um, you know, I so like people have said to me, why don't you just go north of the city and get a haircut you know i i just think that you know for one thing there's a there's a person who's cut my hair for a long for a while now there's two of them uh one of them uh her name is jody she used to come into the uh station and uh, people were saying that i got her a job because my hair was so bad and uh you know i'm and i can't go to her salon like i'm loyal to these people so I want to give them the business when the opportunity comes that they can come back. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I haven't 
cut it. I personally don't care about my appearance anymore. Like I'm married. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, nobody's touching this guy with a 50 foot pole. So like, I don't really care anymore about the way I look, but I understand that there has to be a standard. So I just go in and I let them. And, and then the makeup people and it's Hillary is our, is our key person right now. Like she knows what they consider acceptable. So I just say, Hillary, you do what you need to do. That's kind of the way it goes. It actually looks good. It's got like a seventies feathered look to it. Like it looks. I've had a few people say to me, like, to be honest, James, I've wanted to go bald. I want to shave it right down the wood. Mm-hmm. My wife is, is no. And we've had a few people actually say to me, it actually looks better now. I, I could not pull that out. My hair looks so bad. My wife wants <laughs> to shave mine. So it's, that's the that's the condition I'm at right now. Um, if both Jack Campbell and Frederick Anderson are healthy, who do you start in game one? Right now, it's it's Campbell. It's his net. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't even think that's – I mean, I, I respect the question. I just don't think it's a debate. Yeah, yeah, but that that actually is an interesting point. You guys talked about it on your podcast, Fridge, in terms of Anderson's place in this whole thing and like coming back and trades and all that stuff. He is like very central to that room. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he might be. He, James knows this. He wrote a story about it. Like he might be Austin Matthews' best friend on the team. Mm-hmm. Like that's another like little layer of this. Like obviously they love Jack Campbell. But that's like if if you were considering something, I wonder if that has to be factored in going back to like the chemistry of the room stuff as well. Well, it's what we talked about. I, I think that's a big thing that Dubas weighs because it took him a long time to get to where like, he thinks they are now. I absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, again, like and we talked about this, we talked about just a minute ago with the whole uh, Dubas thing when they didn't let him go to Colorado. Right. Like sometimes business is business. Right. You know, like, like let's let's what are the consequences if they don't win around this year? Significant. I, I agree. So at some point, you've got to sh- you got to fire your bullets, and like I understand that you want to do the right things by your room, and I, I think it's very important, and I I do think they weigh it, but they got to win at least around this year. And I think the players like Anderson personally, but he hasn't gotten it done. No, he, he's so. I mean, they want to win. They don't just want their friends to get opportunities again and again and again. So if Campbell and they also like Campbell too. So yeah. like, I mean, that you know, it's not like they're bringing in a mercenary that no one has a connection to. Right. Uh, I'll tell you something else. Someone else made a, a good point to me. You know, this is this is a pressure cooker. Who can handle it? Yeah. Yeah. I, there are definitely some legitimate questions over whether Anderson can or not. So um, the next question we have is from Jeff. He wants to know, Elliot, what's the most memorable or surprise trade he can recall from a past trade deadline? You have a good trade deadline story? Is this from Jeff Demet or another Jeff? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Jeff Lebo, it looks like his name is. Um, well, I mean, there have been a few that, that popped out uh, over time. Uh, I'm actually generally very bad at answering these questions because I tend not to look back. I, I tend to look ahead. I, I do remember a couple of years ago when Eric Carlson was, you know, obviously Eric Carlson was traded at the beginning of the season, but the previous trade deadline, um, he, you know, he had been in a situation where he was almost traded to Vegas with about f- five minutes to go before the deadline. And the whole, it's happening, it's not happening. It's like the, the Vegas tried to use that as a pressure tactic 
And so did Ottawa. They tried to use it as a pressure tactic with each other. The same thing happened with Toronto and Vancouver and Luongo. Like those teams use the deadline as a pressure tactic against each other. And those are the crazy ones when you're sitting there and you're like, is it happening? Is it not happening? Is it happening? Is it not happening? Um, those are the wildest ones because, you know, everybody is stressed. The, the, the person who's trying to break the trade is stressed and your stress is only about one, one millionth of the two teams that are trying to make franchise altering deals. Right. And the people who are on the phones with the league and they're, they're trying to make sure that they, and especially if you're taking that one down to the deadline, because you've got to be on cue and, and, and the phones and you've got to be able to say, okay, like we have a deal to make. And because you're rushing it so tight and those are complicated deals, it increases the chance that, you know, it gets rejected. And so you got to have everything on the line. Like, I think those are, those are probably the craziest ones. The ones where people try to ram something in tight. Mark Stone, two years ago to Vegas, like we had heard all day. I think I was the first to report that he was probably going to Vegas that day, but they had to get a contract done, right? And so that one was tricky and came down probably about half hour before the deadline. All right. Ryan Wedge wants to know, you can answer this one too, Jonas. How do you think the Leafs stack up against the other top teams they haven't played, like Tampa, Colorado, you know, some of the other Stanley Cup contenders? Like, There's been a lot of talk, as you know, Elliot, about the division being the reason the Leafs are where they are in the standings. Yeah. Much- Not being the reason, being part of the reason. Don't well, get some- defensive, Jonas. It's okay, bud. <laughs> some, of the, some of the Twitter folk in Alberta are pretty adamant. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's funny because like, their teams are in that division too, so I don't know what they're saying about their teams if, if they're saying the North Division is the reason the Leafs are good. Well, you know, I look, I think the Leafs, this year, they've had a lot of excuses for things to go sideways. Yes. Injuries and things, and, and I think they've shown a lot of resiliency. Look, like, we question, I, I think everybody who questions the Maple Leafs questions their toughness, right? And to me, toughness is not just, can you take a punch to the face? Toughness is also, can you grind? And this season is really hard for a lot of reasons. I, you know, I don't think we have a true realization of the, of the emotional challenges of the players. Look, you know, Vancouver, what do we know now? We know that someone went to a restaurant, which they've asked people not to do, and look what's happened. So, yeah. you know, I think the cha- like, so to me, this team has showed really strong mental toughness this year and that the toughness of a winner because they've had bad situations and they've won. Now, seven game series against Colorado, Vegas or Tampa, that's a different animal. Like, do I, do I think, do I believe in them more this year than I have in years past? Yes, I do. I think they're better. I think they've improved. But if you lose a tough series to a Tampa or a Colorado, does that mean you're a bad team? No, it doesn't. It just means you lost. Like, like Tampa to me, boy, like I think they're going to get a defenseman, whether it's David Savard or someone else. And you're going to have Kucherov just dropping back on the league at the playoffs. They're going to be a tough out. Like whoever beats them, if someone does, you're going to earn it. Yeah, to me, the two best teams I've watched this year are Colorado and Vegas. I haven't spent a lot of time watching Tampa for some reason, but Colorado and Vegas just look like the class. Like they're really. I'm good. not sure that they would beat those teams, but it would be an interesting series. But like you're right, Freeze. Like go back to the playoffs last year, that game against Columbus where they're up three nothing. Toughness is winning that game and just like locking down. But I think toughness is also can you do it again? Yeah. 
Like that's the, that's the thing that was so frustrating about that because you saw a glimpse of what they could be. And then the next game, they coughed up a hairball. Yeah. Like, you, like to me like in the playoffs, you, you aren't going to be great every night, but you got to be great. Not just 16 nights. You, you got to be great in probably about half the games you lose too. Well, and your goaltending can't cost you. Like you can't give up bad goals frequently and win. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. Like that, that's the thing about Colorado I look at. I'm like, are they sure? Yeah, but it goes back to your question before about the Leafs. Like, who are you getting? Yeah. Like, who just, just I guess just someone to back up, right? Like, I just think someone. in the States it's easier because the quarantines are not as long. I know, that even though it's down from 14 days to seven, I know with goalies, that's why I think if Toronto does anything, like, you know, again, I'm, I could be totally making this up. Like, I could be. Like, it's just completely wrong. But, like, all Forsberg has to do if Toronto wants to do that is walk across the dressing room on Saturday night. Uh, there are actually a number of questions that I haven't seen. I haven't seen this talked about a lot, but a number of people are asking if the Blues might make sense as a trade partner for the Leafs. Uh, and various questioners ask uh, about Mike Hoffman or Jaden Schwartz. Bozy. Yeah, Jaden Schwartz or Tyler Bozak as potential forwards that they could look at acquiring. Do you think the Blues are going to be sellers, Elliot? And, and do you think that that might make some sense to involve Toronto in a conversation? Uh, I do. I do think they will look. Now, don't forget that when Nylander was almost traded that year, the Blues were one of the teams. They were pretty far along on a on a Nylander Petrangelo kind of thing there with more mm. pieces there. Mm. So <laughs> there, there, there is like there is. Nah, I'm not saying that they're they obviously they're not doing Nylander now. I don't think, but so there is some history there. Although I know that those those two teams got mad at each other. I think it was Nick who first got that story, and those two teams were mad that it got out. Um, but you know, again, like the only issue I, I think Schwartz could be perfect yeah, for Toronto is just yep. as long as he stays healthy. Again, that's the only thing I think, I, I think Toronto is looking at here. I do think that one of the things they're looking at is what is the injury history of these players? But Schwar but the one thing I've heard about Schwartz is the preference is for St. Louis to bring him back. So I think like I've heard if he gets traded, it's either going to be him saying he wants to go somewhere, which I'm not convinced is going to happen. Or you look at the deal and you say, ah, that's why they did it. You know, the Bozak thing, it makes a lot of sense to me, depending on, you know, how high you think his ceiling is, just purely from like the way that he left. Remember when they told him, you know, we're going another direction and, you know, he, he said those incredible things about Toronto and then they did that video for him. Like the, the, I know the Leafs really appreciate, like he could have buried them on, on the way out. Well, he, he fit right he into the room for age. Like he, they love the, the dressing room loves him. I just think the question is, you know, like is like, I think the fit from a personality point of view is perfect. I think the question is, is he just high ceiling enough for what they want? Yeah, his game has tailed off. As I mean, how old is Tyler now? 30, 35. Yeah, like he's, you know, he's towards the end of that, wow. that contract that he got in St. Louis. So, yeah, I think the question is, what does he have left? And to Jonas's point earlier in the podcast, you know, how many more older guys do you want? So yeah, that's fair. But I'll tell you this, as a personality, 
I, yeah. I think he's he. You're right. He would be perfect. That that to me is not a personality question. That's a play question. Here's a, here's a fun one. Uh, Raddy wants to know if Fridge could go through the phone messages of any NHL GM today, who would it be and why? <laughs> Kevin Adams. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good Kevin Adams. Do you think there's some Eichel texts in there? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I think he's taking. I think he's getting the lay of the land. I'm not sure he does it now, but at the very least, he's going to know what the market is. Oh, my God. All right, James, one more, and then Fridge, we got to get him out of here. Okay, if the Leafs can only make one move, and you're the GM, well, what would you do? What what need would you address if you can only make the one move? Boy, that's a great question. <laughs> See, to me, to me, the problem is, like, it, it goes back to where we started with the goaltending question. Yeah. Like, there, like there's practical me, and there's crazy me, right? <laughs> <laughs> crazy me, come on. Well, I'll answer. I'll just say practical me because I think you practical me says goalie. Like you just have to have the best second option there if Anderson can't go. Crazy me is who's the best forward I can get, and I'm and I'm going. I'm going to trust my team defense, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're gonna have to. The hardest thing to do in the playoffs is score. And I'm going to give myself the best chance to score. That's what I'm going to do. I'm getting the best, nastiest forward combination I can get. Who is the guy out there who is the biggest talent, the most talented prick I can find? And I'm getting him. <laughs> That's Taylor Hall, isn't it? I'm, you know, I'll tell you, it's, it's Hall, potentially. I'm, I'm just, let me just... You know, I've kind of wondered if there's anyone on Dallas who makes any sense. Just because, but they're so banged up. I don't know that that's possible. No one there's really a UFA, um, right? Other than Alec- Alexia. No. Yeah, tough. Yeah. Yeah. The Leafs got to be careful taking on term. Like that, that's, that's just. That's, well, they can. Yeah. I don't think they can really. I mean, Schwartz would be, Schwartz would be one of those guys. I, I absolutely could see. Schwartz being one of those guys. Just imagine though, Fridge like Hall's like his motivation. Like he's, I think oh, he's played yeah. in fourteen playoff games in like a ten-year career. Like comes to Toronto like to win a cup. Like he would just be all cylinders go. So you know, I'll t- actually. There's one name we haven't mentioned, and I'm I think I've kind of dropped the ball, but uh, by not mentioning him yet. Although he's not like a guy who's going to score you a ton of goals. And I think he's a, more of a, maybe a secondary need than a number one need. But you know who I think would look great would be Scott Lawton. Yeah. That's the drum I've been banging. I know. Yes, yeah. I know. I, 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 I've seen you do that. Like I, I just think his, I, his cap hits low and his acquisition cost is probably not that high. And, and he's a local he's, guy and he yeah. is very passionate. Like yeah. he's a guy who would be running through walls. I yes. just, he, I just don't think he tips it enough. Like yes, Paul does. you're right. Like I don't think he, changes you that much yeah i i understand it you know i just that's what I, i'm looking for i'm looking for the nastiest talented player that i could find and there really aren't a lot of those all right sportsnet's coverage of the nhl trade deadline begins at 8 a.m eastern no, you know, brutal we did moved, it change we moved it um oh good well when, when, they announced the, when they no 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 when they announced <laughs> the uh the lockdown yesterday we had some conversations about, you know, just that. 
And I think that we've moved it to noon Eastern. Good. And um, also, I think the number of people, like we had a lot of people in the studio. And I know our bosses just had a big conversation about, uh, A, workplace safety. And B, like just the look of that in Toronto when you are telling people to stay in their homes. So yeah. we've kind of dialed it back a bit. I think more of it will be by Zoom and we're coming on at noon. I, I they just they they just wondered about the message. Is that the right message to send? So I, I understand the decision. You know, this th- at this time in, in the world, we're not controlling a lot of our own choices. So, you know, you, you make the best with what you have. All right, well, Fred, you do an awesome job. I think that should be pointed out. So thank you for that. And, and thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. No worries. Uh, I look forward to seeing how I've radioed myself on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Elliot. Thanks for doing it. <laughs> All right, guys, take care. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, that was the great Elliot Friedman. Lots to chew on there. Elliot's... What's, what, what do you most want to chew on after? Well, I was just going to say, just as a frame of reference, Elliot's been such like a... I know to you, too, he's been just such a, a good mentor. I remember being very, very young in the business when I first started hanging around the Leafs and just how, how kind Elliot was to me and to a lot of the young people and... He's a guy that even though he's like kind of the big dog on on the broadcast, he's also uh, around in the dressing room all the time. And, you know, he he really um, you really see him around and he's a big presence uh, around the Leafs and around the NHL. So that's what I would say. I'm sure you probably have some good Elliot stories. Yep. He's definitely been someone I've leaned on at times for counsel. He's a he's like he's like the Jason Spezza of the media. He's he's like Obi-Wan. You know what I was gonna say is if um if the Leafs get Jaden Schwartz, do you know how many Spaceballs jokes I'm gonna make? I don't. I don't. I actually haven't seen that yeah, movie. I well, keep meaning to watch that, and that needs to be that, that needs to be. Rectified. That's becoming a meme with our podcast. That every time I bring up a, a cultural reference, you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, but my re- the funny thing is, my knowledge of pop culture is so much greater than yours. It's well, like not even close. But my knowledge of anything that's like before 2000 is so much greater than yours. Fair. It is ridiculous. Like, but it's it's also 2021. So no, I know, but like like Spaceballs <laughs> is like that's a. Anyway, there's there's instead of the force in in like in Star Wars in Spaceballs, it's called the Schwartz, and they talk about it all the time. So it's hmm. may the Schwartz be with you. Well, so let's let's follow up on that because I thought that I think that's a really interesting conversation. <laughs> more Spaceballs? And you and I, no, no more Spaceballs. <laughs> Not until yogurt. I it. You and I, I hate yogurt. We have been slacking about the trade deadline and obviously everything leaves for ever. Um, but one of the conversations we we do have is like, you look at Scott Lund. Like Scott Lund helps you, good defensive forward. He could play center on your third line. He could play left wing on your third line. Whatever. He kill penalties. But to me, he doesn't tip the scales enough. Like, and that's why like even Schwartz like would more to uh, a degree, and Taylor Hall would to a greater degree. And to me, like that's 
like I kind of feel like you got to swing big. Like I, I, I know Alex Galchenyuk has fit in nicely, but if I can get Taylor Hall, like I get Taylor Hall, uh, and like so, how do you think you balance that if you're that front office between the price and between the fit and between like all the cap situation? Yeah. Like, well, that's the thing I would say, John. Yeah, like in principle, I agree with you, but if if you also agree that you're a bit worried about your depth on defense if someone gets hurt. And you're also worried about potentially getting another fit in goal. You can't do everything. Like you can't. I, I don't see a way unless unless you're trading out a salary like a Kerfoot. There's not enough space to get Taylor Hall and to get a goalie and to get another defenseman that's going to make any kind of an impact for them. You can't. Like I, I can't make that work. It just doesn't. Like you, you know. Like if you saw my trade scenarios, I had like Paul Mary and like Kulikov at fifty percent retained, and it's like okay, like you can. You can make that work. But Taylor Hall makes so much money on the cap that even if you trade him to another team and they retain 50% and then, and then you know, the, the Buffalo retains 50% off the top and you got him for 25% of his salary, it's still $2 million. Like, it's not, it's not a, a non-existent sum. So that's, that's going to be the challenge for the leases. If you want Taylor Hall, I think it's going to limit what else you're going to be able to do. Well, maybe, like you said, you, you just have to send someone else out, and maybe that's Kerfoot, maybe that's Engvall, and those create other issues, obviously, with the rest of your lineup. Like, the third-line center thing is is not a non-story. Like, that, if you're going to be relying on Pierre Engvall, or, like, that, I don't even know what you want to call it. Like, they basically have two fourth lines, is what they do, and they use them differently. I don't totally trust either one, and that that also would scare me if I was management it's interesting you know when i talk to coaches with other teams around the league that look at the leafs a lot of times they talk about third line center you know they they don't they don't feel like they've got enough there they don't you know they feel like if you're a contender and you're going to win a cup and you're going to beat tampa you need a third line and that's why you know tampa with the coleman and the good goodrow um acquisitions they were really strengthening that third line and giving them something of impact there. Your third line's got to play 14, 15 minutes a night. It's going to spend some time on the ice, especially on the road against other teams' good lines. I don't know that Engvall is ready to do that as a center. And that's, you know, the more I put, you know, spin it around in my brain, the more I like Lawton because I think that he's another option for you at that third line center. And he's a defensively sound one that you probably feel better about playing against some of those top lines. You know, they're, the Leafs are probably... If they have a playoff run, they're going to face Edmonton. They're going to potentially face Winnipeg. They're going to face, if they make it through the the Canada division, they're going to face, um, you know, some either McKinnon or, uh, you know, Kucherov. Or, you know, they're going to face some very high-powered offensive players. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the bottom of their lineup is prepared for that right now. I don't think it is. And, like, James, like, just think of, like, a really, really, let's say it's game five. You're up one. There's five minutes left. Do you really feel comfortable putting Engvall on the ice against whoever? Like, on the wing, I think it'd be fine. I think I'd be fine with yeah, him. Like he, I like the way he plays on the wing because he's he's big and he's good with his stick and he's fast. And but no, I don't feel he can't. I mean, what what is he on faceoffs this year? Forty percent? I think last it's year he. Four, it's like forty three percent. Oh well, that's and better he's than last better year. Of late, he was like thirty eight yeah. or thirty nine percent last year, and and it's not just that. But I mean, there have been some goals against this year where he's been in the wrong position and. You know, people are blaming the goalie or blaming the defense. And I'm thinking, well, like, that's Engvall's guy. You know, he's left someone yeah. in front of the net or he's chased in the corner when he shouldn't have. And that that's, 
I was going to say that's not a knock and angle. I mean, I guess technically it is a knock and angle. But he, you, you talk to him. He never played center ever until like until he gets to the Marlies. So last year, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and you know what's unfortunate for them, James, and the guy you were banging the drum on early is Mikhail Granlund would just be the yep. perfect fit for that because not only could he conceivably, let's say your your third line becomes Granlund in the middle, Mikhail on one side, Engel on the other. Or he could go up and he can play with Tavares and Neander. Like he just would check so many boxes. But obviously Nashville being in it again kind of muddies the waters. Now maybe they'll still trade him, um, but to me he kind of would fit better than Lawton because I think he could do more. Yeah, I don't think Granlin's going to be available. Um, but I, you know, he he in Palmieri I think would have been a good fit too. I don't know how I don't know how close they got in those conversations, but. Um, so, like, let me put it to you this way, Jonas. Would you do Taylor Hall or would you do Lawton plus a depth defenseman plus a goalie, like a third goalie? One or the other. Like, you can either get just Taylor Hall or you can get the three things. That's why I like the three things. Cause <laughs> I think I would do Taylor Hall. Okay. But I, I, I think it's like, it's, it's like 51-49 because, like, I would, be very, I'm, I would be very nervous if I were them that in a very crucial situation, Michael Hutchinson has to play. And, like... I just would not trust trust him to play important games. I just wouldn't. And that that scares me. And like it would scare me if even with Frederick Anderson, like as much as like maybe he comes back, I don't think you can assume anything even if he does come back. Like he he's had his playoff issues before when when things were fine. Now he's coming off an injury. He hasn't we we don't know when he's gonna be on the ice. Like even if he gets on the ice next week, he probably isn't coming back for another week or so after that. And then there's like five to 10 or whatever games left in the season. Like, so I get it. Um, I just think Taylor Hall pushes your, your chances of winning a cup higher. What do you think? No, I think I go with the the three pieces. I think I go with just, you know, it, it disrupts the chemistry less. Um, so, so your three pieces, let's just make up names. So let's say Lawton, Alexiak and whatever. Forsberg, Forsberg. Like some third goalie Forsberg. who's like just there in case, you know. So you think that that's, yeah. I don't well, know. I just like, I, the thing I like about it. I hear you. The thing I like about I it is you. if one of your top 4D can't go. Like, let me throw a situation. Like, let's say Brody can't play one game in the playoffs. Let's say he goes, it's, it's a game seven against Edmonton. Brody can't play. What do your D pairs look like? Riley, Bogosian, Muzzin Hall. Like Dermot Bogosian on like on your top pair or playing 20, well, 20 minutes against a team that's got McDavid there? and well that that's why like I think if you have I mean James like to to be fair to Bogosian Bogosian spent a, a, most of the playoffs last year with either Hedman or McDonough like it's is it ideal no but like who are, who are you putting there well if the that's, Leafs that's had a Hedman happens. then I would probably feel a little bit better about it but I just think that right. like if you get if you can get an Alexiak I mean he's a top four D. And you put yeah he he might bump Dermot out of the lineup like he was playing he's been playing with Haskinen like well you know like I was even thinking about it I mean the Leafs are probably going to lose Dermot in the expansion draft what if you just trade Dermot for Alexiak yeah I don't hate it then your third pair your third pair gets better you're going to lose Dermot anyway Uh, it probably helps make the money work a little bit. well but then James the counter to that is then you're not only losing Dermot you're going to lose another player who is actually taken by yeah but maybe it's not anyone good like maybe it's not you know maybe it's Engel your boy yeah Kerfoot (laughs) 
I think you would. I I could see them wanting someone to take Kerfoot just because it gives them a lot more flexibility in terms of the their salary structure. That's a very like uh, we've talked about it some, but Kerfoot not being the solution to that spot we're talking about is is a big deal like that. Well, so if you can get Seattle to take that contract without having to take back another bad deal and you just wipe it off the books and then you can go out and find a different solution for that third line center spot, then I. I don't know. It makes a, it makes a lot of sense. I just I guess the thing with with Hall too is I don't know what Tavares is at this point. Like he's I think he's played better of late. Um, but I just think if you could get a little more juice there, another playmaker with him. I like Hall and the Neander. I like Hall. Yeah. I'm just nervous about not having sure any safety net in on D or in goal. That that just yeah, I mean, like the fact that like it would be Sandine who's played like twenty nine NHL games has had a really bumpy year, or Lilligren or Marinchin or whoever. That's that's problematic, and and like even like if you have an injury up front, like we saw with Neander, like we t- talked about with Frege, suddenly Barabanov is on your line is in your lineup, and like your your the rest of your group is kind of yeah. The other thing about a defense injury is that they've been healthy on the blue line the entire season. So if they get dealt one in the playoffs, they're really not going to be ready for an absence like that. So I don't know. I mean, it's. I think that if I had to place a bet right now, I think the Leafs are going to acquire more than one player by the deadline. Well, I, I mean, your, your, your solution of like trying to plug a, a bunch of different needs with pretty good players, it, it makes sense. Like I... I mean, if you could get my, my boy Ayafalo from L.A. and like a D, like Alexiak and some sort of goalie, that makes sense. Like that makes you better. Like you just want to keep pushing your odds higher um, because this is a, this is like you don't know how many years you're going to get um, to contend like this. Like they've set themselves up pretty nicely um, this season. So I, I say go for it. Like I don't know, James. The other interesting thing is that with the way the division is, they probably have an easier path to the third round yes. than they're going to get any other season. And where they finish in the standings, like right now I think they're third, that's going to matter too because once you get to the third and the fourth round, that determines your seeding. And I mean, they could potentially have home ice advantage all the way to the, the final if they continue to win. So um, obviously home ice advantage is a little bit different than it's been in the past, but I think there's still something to having last change and being in your own building for those big games. For sure it is. I mean, look at the stuff we're talking about with like Engvall. Yeah. If you can kind of protect him in certain situations a little bit or protect Tavares or that's, that's the other like side of this is like the Engvall thing is complicated by the fact that, that you can't rely on that Tavares group for those minutes. And that's not just Tavares. And obviously Sheldon Keefe has talked a lot about the improvements that he's made defensively, but that's, the fact that you can't really rely on him in those situations or rely on his line um, is, is kind of part of this too. It's, it's tough. Like it's piecing together. A team is really hard. Like you're, you're constantly kind of juggling all these different balls in the air. It was a good show, Jonas. I think I, I don't know. I don't know if I have that much more to say. Okay. Well, that, that <laughs> I guess we should wrap it up then. That, that's probably Unless you got idea. something. You got something to throw at me. No. I think we covered think we I, covered a lot. You know what's going to happen now? We record a great podcast like this. We talk about all the options. There's going to be a trade that happens in the next 20 minutes, and this podcast is going to be irrelevant. And our producer is just going to delete it and throw it in the garbage. 
Let's hope not. <laughs> All right. Jim Rutherford, the former gunslinger GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, was on with Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun's Two Men Advantage podcast, so be sure to check that out. Go to theathletic.com slash leap report. If you aren't subscribed to The Athletic, you can get a subscription. James, we'll talk after the trade deadline next week. I bid you adieu. Thanks, everybody.